Good morning, everybody, and welcome again. Uh, why, why don't we just change the atmosphere in the house a little bit? Just, just put your hands together if you're happy and you know it. Then let's say amen. There we go. There we go. If you're online, if you're online, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. We've got a, we've got a, an audience, and it just feels great to have some people to preach at in here. It's just rough when you're just preaching straight to that camera. So if you're in the house, grateful for you. Thank you. Make sure you stay safe and social distancing. Amen. We have a big day coming up next Tuesday, everybody. Your assignment is just to go vote. We got a word for you today. I'm, I'm going to teach a word today that I've never heard in anybody's pulpit before. It's uh, something that I have gleaned by watching three individuals in my life, and I want to teach you how to pull this off today for the glory of God. So I'm really excited to be in the house. I'm going to pray for us in a moment, um, but then I'm going to ask one big question that we're going to wrestle with on today, and the question simply says this, what moves God into action? What moves God to do something? What, what is it that that you can do that can, that can move God into something. I'm talking about a guy today that, that allowed, that, that moved God into action. And I cannot wait for you to learn how to pull this off for the glory of God. So here we go. Let's see if we can get there. Uh, so far, by the way, if you're just joining us in this series, uh, today is the penultimate message in this series. I've got to do one more next week. And next week, I'm going to end in Joshua Runabout, the 24th chapter. And we're going to talk about, um, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. No matter what happens this week, next week, any week, we're going to serve the Lord. Can I get a witness, somebody? Some of you look a little uncertain if you're going to serve him. Come on, somebody. No matter what happens, we're going to serve Jesus. Amen. Come on, come on, come on. Here's why you need to know that. Because whether it's donkeys or elephants, all of us here is going to one day serve the Lamb. All of us will. And so he is the King of kings. And no matter what happens, you need to know that Jesus is still on his throne. And you need to know that one day, every knee that's fussing now, will one day confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's all I got to say about that. They tell me I need to stay in the pocket today and don't go too far. So I won't. I will behave myself and stay close. Here we go. We need Jesus. So let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thanks for this morning. Thank you for every person that's listening, no matter where they are. God, I just ask that you will speak to each one of us. We really need to hear from you. May, may your voice be louder than any other voice. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. We're going we're gonna to point to Joshua chapter 10. We're going to look at verse number 8 is where we're going to start. Verse number 8. And we're going to read it all the way through verse number, let's stop at, run about verse 12 or 13. Let's go there. But verse number 8 is where we're going to start. Joshua, the 10th chapter. We have talked about keep the cord out. We have talked about dig that ditch. We have talked about don't get blocked. We have talked about don't stop short. Uh, uh, with, and last week, my, my dear friend that blessed us with a mighty, 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 mighty word talked about the idea of the stick. So your assignment is then, where is all of this leading in the book of Joshua? Let's take a look at it. Uh, we're in chapter 10 now. We're starting at verse number 8. Listen to what the text says. The text says, the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them, for I have handed them over to you. Not one of them will be able to stand against you. That's the promise. Somebody say promise. 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 A little louder. Through your mask. Everybody say promise. 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 Let me read the promise again because there's a phrase in here that I don't want you to ever miss. The Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them for I have handed them over to you. That right there, that phrase right there, I have handed them over to you, should be a little alarming to you. Uh, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. Uh, today I want to talk about how to move God into action. Uh, here's a young man that prayed an impossible prayer, and the God of this universe stopped everything to hear his prayer, and then he goes on to change all of nature to answer one man that asked him 
to do something impossible. My question is, why is it that these kind of prayers are not being prayed today? Why is it that we have so many Christians and the Christian's life looks just like the seeker's life, even though the Christian or the saint has the Holy Ghost inside of them, and yet still your life and mine sometimes look like just another mundane, ordinary life? My concern is that you and I have the God of the universe that hung the stars and he, through the Holy Spirit, is living inside of us. And yet still, we live regular, predictable, boring lives that really, you don't even need God to live. And yet still, I see a guy like my boy Joshua who is telling God, God, you promised me this, so I want you to stop the sun. I want you to stop the earth from rotating just a moment so I can finish what you've called me to do. And God answers him. Are you kidding me? So here's my concern. My concern is that every, if God answered all of our prayers today, my brothers and sisters, the only people that would get blessed is you, your family, and those close to you. Because the only people we're praying for is God give me, God bless me, God me, me, me. And we don't, we don't ever ask God to do stuff that's radical. And if you want to see radical stuff, then you have to have radical prayers. But our dreams are not big enough, therefore we don't need to ask the God of the universe for anything big. Because our dreams are so small, it only includes you and me. So on today I want to remind you, I really do of the God that you serve, and why when your kids are praying God is good and God is great, that that's not a game. He really is. And therefore, because we have him on our side, there should be things we're asking him for that we've never asked before. There should be impossible prayers that are being prayed for men and women all over this world that are not being prayed because we're forgetting, we're forgetting The promises he's made to us, we're forgetting. The dreams he's given us, we've given up. And some of the things God's asked us to do because we're forgetting who the God that we serve really, really is. So my assignment today, really, is to remind you of who you are. And to remind you of whose you are. And to remind you that he didn't save you just so that you can go to heaven. He saved you to bring heaven to earth. And you ought to be making a difference and changing the world because of the God that resides in you if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. We need grander visions. We're thinking way too small for the God that we serve. So that's what I want to talk about today. I want to remind you of that. Now, he says something before I go any further that blows my mind. Because he says, in the text, he says, do not be afraid of them. For, finish this phrase with me, everybody, I have handed them over to you. For I have handed them over to you. Now, that blows my mind, so i got to illustrate it for you so you get this. God says, um, I've handed over to you these, these, this, this, this group of Amorite kings that are now coming to a battle. I've handed them over to you. Whoa. Joshua is sitting on this side. Here's the curtain. Joshua does not know what's on the other side. But God is telling him what's on the other side. Ah, okay. Family, you, there's something, there are two realms. The visible realm and then the invisible realm. There are two realms. The, the realm of the physical stuff you can see. And then there's stuff around here that you can see that God already knows. Your assignment is to ask God to pray bold prayers and ask God to transfer the things on the invisible side to the visible side so that God will answer the prayers that you're asking for. Now, let me explain something to you. You and I sit on this side, so all we can do is see what we can see, which is invisible. The reason you're praying to God is because God sits right here, and God can see the visible And he can see the invisible. Now, 
by the time you pray for something, God, can I have whatever, it's not that because you pray it, he's going to put it over here. It's already over here. Your assignment is to ask him to transfer that which you cannot see into the realm of the visible that everybody can see. I wish I had a witness in here. Listen to me, family. Come here. Listen to me. Listen to me. God's saying to him, hey, man, let me give you a promise. I've already given them into your hands. That's, but he can't see it yet. So it's on this side. It's on this side. You can't see it. But God says, I know what you can't see, but I'm telling you, I have already given them into your hands. So Joshua, the only prayer you're praying now is that you will get to see what God already sees. You're not asking him to do anything different because it's his word. It's his promise. He has already promised it to you that God, I am going to deliver these men into your hands. Your only assignment now, Joshua, is to go mop it up and get it done. That is the context of this prayer that he prayed. He already knew that God says, I've given them into your hands. So all he's doing now, listen, is preaching God's word back to God. The reason God had to answer this prayer is because God already see, has already seen what's going on over here. And Joshua is going to be right here, and he's saying, God, I need more time to bring the invisible into the visible so I can obey you fully and accomplish your purposes. And Joshua then prays and impart, will you stop? Will you stop the sun? Let it appear as if the sun has stopped. Most people, when they come here, want to argue about, well, here's what that means. I couldn't care one rip what that means. Here's what I need you to know. There is a man that can call on God, and God responds and changes all of science to answer his prayer. I want to know where those Christians today, that's what I want to know, where those Christians that are asking God to do stuff that will blow and shatter the minds of people all around us. If you just ask, you have not because you ask not. Come here, come here. I'm not done. Come here. You have not because you ask not, but you also have not because you ask only for you. Your vision is as big as God, I need more followers. That's all you want. That don't have nothing to do with God. That have to do with you. Because you're not praying the promises of God. You're praying your desires and you're praying your lust. Give me more for me. God says, no, if you want stuff that's invisible, it's got to be stuff that's in my word. So you got to know my word so you can pray for the stuff I want. Because if you're in alignment with me and that my will be done, then I will stand still the sun to pull off what my will is. Oh, I wish I had a weakness today. What we got is too many Christians that instead of living on the edge, wondering, God, I have a front door seat. How are you going to pull this off, God? I can't wait to see. God, how are you going to pull this off? We got too many Christians all the way back here talking about, well, God, I don't like over there. It's too uncomfortable. So let me stay in the safety net of my own environment. And most people, most Christians live their lives here instead of living their lives Dying to see what God is up to next. Anybody in here glad for men like Joshua? That says, I serve a God, he's so good. Watch what he will do next. Come on, fam, watch this, watch this. Watch. So here's what I want to teach you now. I want to teach you how to develop faith like Joshua to be able to pray like this. I've never heard a sermon about that before. No, I've had a front seat for it because I grew up with a dad that that's how he lived his entire life. His entire life was lived. God, I'm living on the edge. Let me see how you're going to provide for this. Let me see how you're going to move this. I remember one time my dad wanted, there's a big shipment of kids' toys, and he wanted to get it all across the island of Jamaica, and he didn't know where it was going to come from and how they were going to move them and how they were going to get trucks to bring them into all these different churches so that all these kids. And I remember my dad standing, I remember it like it was yesterday, and saying, God, will you please allow these, the shipment of these gifts for Christmas to get to the homes of each of these kids that will never have a gift. And ladies and gentlemen, in three days, 
in three days, I saw the hand of God work. And I saw trucks going everywhere and kids' faces lighting up. But I get to see that. It was second nature for me. But for too many Christians, we don't know how to live like that. So we just live, let me go to work, let me make some money. And your only goal is, let me make a little bit more money and so that I can enjoy a little bit more life. But you don't have an entire incredible relationship with Jesus where you're asking him and he's answering on a daily basis and your mind is blown at the goodness of God in your life. We got too many safety Christians around here. And I'm wondering, what, that's why it's so easy for other people to influence you. Because you don't even know the word of God so that we can live based on the word of God. So that when God speaks, we move. Not when some media person tells us something. When God speaks, we move. I ain't mad. I'm just passionate. Ain't nobody mad. I'm just passionate. And I'm going to show you today. Here we go. Get your notes because I'm going to walk through it for you today. Here we go. What moves God into action? What moves God? into action. Now, let me give you the story so you know the context. Verse 8 happens, but before verse 8 happens, chapter 9 happens before chapter 10. Chapter 9 is when my boy Joshua was deceived by a group called the Gibeonites. We're going to talk about that in a minute. He was deceived by them, and so he made a, a covenant with them, a treaty with them, that he would protect them. I'm going to talk about it in a minute. So now chapter 10 shows up, Watch this. And how many of you know that God will take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it around? Because now there are five kings from five cities that are now after the city that Joshua made the agreement with. It was a city called the Gibeonites. Uh, Joshua is in Gilgal. There are five kings. Put up that chart. There are five of them that now all these five want to attack the Gibeonites because they made a treaty with the children of Israel. So now, instead of fighting five battles, all Joshua got to fight is one battle because he's going to partner with the Gibeonites. By the way, who deceived him, but he's going to keep his vow and partner with them. And then he's going to march all night and defeat them. And this is when God uh, uh, sends down uh, uh, hailstones from heaven to, listen, to kill more people than Joshua and, and his men killed. Number two. This is when Joshua prays, God, if I'm going to fulfill your commitment, your promise, I need more daylight so I can see them, so I can take them out, so I can obey you fully. Notice, all of it is about God. If I, God, I need more time to fulfill your promise. God, I need more time so I can do what you've commanded me to do. It don't have nothing to do with Joshua. It has everything to do with Joshua doing what God has called him to do. It is not self-centeredness. It is God-focused. And it is not about his kingdom. It's about God's kingdom. It's not about his glory. It's about God's glory. And he's running and saying, God, I need you to answer this prayer so I can obey you fully. We're the Christians that are asking God. I want to obey you fully. I want every single person in Dallas and Fort, actually all of Texas, I want them all saved. I want them all knowing Jesus. We're the people that are praying that and daily we're moving toward saying, God, I'm going to witness to one person every single day. Why is that far-fetched when we have the greatest king of all kings on our side? Some of you looking at me crazy now. That's all they looked at Joshua too. Pastor, that, you don't need all that right now. You just, we just need to win an elections. We don't need to win. We don't need all that. To which I say, you've got God, the one who formed you out of nothing. That's who you have on your side. You ought to pray a little bigger prayer than just some form of governmental institution coming in. Here we go. Let's, let's see if we can get you through the process now. So, all right, there, there are six things you have to do to get to the impossible prayer. And I want to walk you through how to grow your faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We've been talking about um, um, keep the rope out, uh, dig that ditch. All of that requires faith. What I haven't taught you yet is how do you grow your faith? That's what we're focusing on today. How do you grow your faith so you can pray impossible prayers? Here we go. Let's see if we can pull it off, and let's see if we can get through it. Number one. Number one. It all starts with his presence. Go to Joshua chapter 1. Woo! Joshua chapter 1, round about verse number 5. I want you to watch. That's the story. We're building up to how he got there. Joshua chapter 1, verse number 5. Here's what the text says. 
no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Moses has died. His whole generation is not moving into this promised land. It's now the, the, the Joshua and his men. It's the season for Joshua. He says, Joshua, just like I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. Joshua, he continues, no one will be able to stand against you. What a promise, as long as you live. Listen, here we go. I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you or forsake you. You know where it starts? If you're going to pray bold prayers like that, it starts with God's presence. God says, God says, Joshua, I don't care where you go. I'm got you, bro. Joshua, I don't care where you go. Nobody can defeat you. Because I, the God of the universe, am here with you. By the way, he says the same thing to you and me. New Testament, Matthew chapter 28. He's leaving. And lo, I am with you always to the end of the earth. So the same presence that God says Joshua had, you and I have. So why is Joshua praying these prayers and we still trying to pray that um, you'll find the right clothes to wear? Is that the biggest prayer you can pray? Why is it that the presence of God is with us? And all we're praying for is, God, can you get us to work safely today? God, can you help us to make sure that we okay? Everybody in the family is good today. That's the biggest prayer you can pray? By the way, by the end of this time, get ready. I'm going to make you write your impossible prayer. And I'm going to make you start praying your impossible prayer. Because we got to raise the level of faith at OCC. We got to raise the level of faith. We got too many mundane, boring Christians walking around here playing it safe. When the gates of Hades is trying to rail against us. The presence of God was with him. What does that mean, Pastor? What do you mean when you say the presence of God is with me? Notice God, God is not encouraging Joshua with his faith. That is Joshua's faith. But God is encouraging Joshua according to God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness is not just about the, the, the past. It's also looking into the future. God says, hey, hey, Joshua, look, look what I did for your boy Moses, man. Look what I did for him. If I can do it for him, I can do it for you. He's not saying because of your capability, here is what you can do. It don't have nothing to do with Joshua's capability. This has to do with God's faithfulness. You're hanging everything on the faithfulness of God. God is saying, look at what I've done in the past. By the way, if you want to know what I'm going to do in the future, the best indication of that is what I've done in the past. So look what I did with your boy Moses. Didn't I get him out of Egypt, the superpower of the day? And so you're telling me I can get him out of Egypt, but I can't get you through Jericho, through AI, through the Gibeonites? You're telling me I can't? Of course I can. Because I'm not doing this based on your power. I'm not doing this based on your military might. I'm doing this based on my faithfulness. I am with you. I don't care who else is around you. I am with you. One community church, God say, I am with you. I don't care what the, what the clouds look like. I am with you. That's all you need to know because God plus you is always the majority. No matter how the numbers look, it's always the majority. That's what he says. He says, it's the reason why you need this solid foundation to get going. It's the reason why. You just need to know. I'm with, okay, okay, okay. Um, one of the things I love to do growing up, my dad did it with me. Um, I would, I would, he would teach me how to jump waves. I know it's a beach thing. So you'd walk out and you'd, you'd go. He would go first and I would see him, the waves, he'd go all the way till it reaches about here. And then the wave would come, it's a big one, and then you'd just jump. And as you jump, and you're coming down, you're not so sure where the bottom is. You're like, oh my gosh, is there going to be a bottom? Is there going to be a bottom? And then you land and say, ooh, okay, because the wave passes, right? <clears throat> so then he started doing it with me. So then he'd say, son, come out, because, you know, I'm in the shallow water. That's just, you know, I love to put my toes in the, in the, in the, in the sand and play around. And he said, son, come on out here. That, that's for babies, son. Come on out here. You're a big boy. Come on out here. No, no, no. So I, uh, and then I finally come out. And I get to about here. And he said, no, no, come on a little more. And I'd get to about here. And I'd say, I'm not going no more. Then he'd put up his hand. And he'd say, son, all I want you to do is when the wave comes, jump and hold my hand. And I'd say, no, dad, no, dad, no, dad, no. And then, and then the wave would come. And I'd jump and hold his hand. And the wave would go by. And then I'd have a party. Oh, my God, this is great, this is great, this is great. So then I tried it with my son. 
Sadiddy American. So anyways, so he starts out. We're at the ocean. We're in the ocean. He said, hey, son, come on. Hey, son, daddy got you. You don't have to worry about this. Just come on out here. I got you. Boy, if you don't come out here. <laughs> Boy, if you don't come out here, I'm just telling you now. Finally gets there. First wave comes. Hits him in the eye. He's burning. He's burning. He's burning. Hey, boy, hey, listen, 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 listen. You're in Jamaica now. Calm down. Let's go. Next wave comes. Just hold my hand. When it comes, just hold my hand. Just, as, as it comes, just jump up. Just hang on to my hand. I'll get you up. And then the wave will pass. <laughs> so he tries it. Oh, my God. He tries it. And he says, oh, this is fun. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. You know the only difference is that dad's presence was there. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't care what the opposition is. If dad's presence is there, all you've got to do is look up and reach a little higher. And the higher you reach, the more God will take you out of those situations that you're in. All he's saying is, hey, man, you, you're not running around here with nobody to help you. I am with you. And then he says, I'll never forsake you. No matter where you, even if you put yourself in a bad situation, I'll never forsake you. So all your assignment then is to go as far out as you can go and then look up because your heavenly father is waiting to save you. You see, you can only pray bold prayers. Ain't nobody praying bold prayers over here. This is what the sand is. You don't need God, which is what most of us do. We set ourselves up in situations where we can handle it and we don't need God. Then when will you need God? That's why until something happens physically and you start feeling a pain over here, all of a sudden you need God. But what happens if you live out in the deep part and every time you say, God, I need you. Now you're having a life of faith because you're exercising your faith muscles. And now you're trusting God more and more and more. Listen, and now when you look back, you say, what's wrong with y'all? That ain't nothing. You playing with sand. Come on out here. Let me show you what the real, where the real fun is at. We got too many Christians in the sand. I'm not jumping waves where God calls you to be. Number two. Number two. Watch this one now. This one's going to hurt a little bit. Uh, you got to turn valleys into victories. You got to turn valleys. Here's what Joshua had to do. He had to turn valleys into victories. You remember uh, he, he defeated Jericho. Walked around it, defeated Jericho. Then somebody, Achan, took something from there, and he wasn't because the first belongs to God. You remember that? I taught you that already. And then they go to Ai, and they lose the battle. Joshua gets on his face. God, why? What? And he starts repenting, and God says, get up, my son. Get up. There's sin in the camp. Deal with that sin in the camp. And then you can go forward, and in round two, they demolish Ai. Listen. But then chapter 9 shows up. Listen, don't miss this, family. And in chapter 9, somebody comes to, to, to Joshua and children and says, hey, uh, they knew they were going to be next and they were going to be defeated, the Gibeonites did. So they decided, hey God, hey Joshua, hey people of Israel, hey man, we're coming from a far way. Hey, look at our clothes, it's torn up. Hey, look at us, we can't, we, we're not near, we've come from a far way. And Joshua says, oh, okay, cool, we're going to protect you all, you're good. Then they found out they were just 20 miles away and they deceived him. Listen, here's the point. When they deceived them, Joshua, because he made a vow to them and because he made a vow to God, he kept his word even in the midst of deceit. There's some of you today that have made an ungodly alliance. And because of the fact that they messed up, you now want to turn your back on them when you made a commitment. I'm here today to tell somebody, I don't care what they did. If you made a vow to God and if you made a commitment to them, you ought to keep that commitment because you made it to God. And God will turn things around in your favor. Your assignment is not to bail just because they got over on you. We got a generation of Christians. That's why you don't need God. You don't need God because you say, well, that's not even. It's one for one, and you deceived me so I can turn my back on you and walk away. To which God said, no, you can't. 
You made a commitment to me. So even though they meant it for evil, don't worry. Instead of fighting one king, you're going to defeat five kings at one time. But listen, come here. But that's behind the curtain. You don't know. That's behind here. You got to call that into being. Before, all Joshua saw was somebody deceived him. And he says, God, as good as you are to me, even though they deceived me, I am going to honor you and I'm going to honor them and I'm even going to go fight for them and risk our own lives even though they deceived me. There's somebody in a marriage right now that feel, Pastor, I didn't know he was a plum fool. I didn't know she was a plum fool. And now you're saying to yourself, well, they deceived me. And all of a sudden, you made a commitment to God, but now you want to bail on the person. I know it's silent in here today. I know it's silent in the chat today. But every now and again, when you do, your assignment is, God, you brought me this far. You took care of me this far. I'm not going to call it even and, and deceive them too. I'm going to honor you, and I'm going to fight for the person, and I'm going to wait to see what you do, what you're going to bring from behind the curtain into my present situation because I know you're the God that work all things together for your glory and for my good. Can I get a witness, somebody? The reason when you're in the sand and somebody deceives you, you want to get even? It's because you're forgetting that the presence of the Lord is with you. And that even if you think you win in the short term, my God has a way of turning things around. Your assignment is to honor God. Your assignment is to honor God and watch what he does. Can I get a witness? He's going to turn, I'm telling you, he's going to turn valleys into victories. You just got the way. He's going to do it. But because you can't see it don't mean he's not doing anything. You see, this is how God works. He doesn't wait till you pray for something to put it back here. It's already back here. He's waiting for your heart to change, to pray for the right thing, to then bring that thing from back here into the present situation. I wish I had a witness in here. My God. Number three, number three, number three, number three. Number three, it gets better. Number three. Then he says, I want you to embrace God's vision. So number one, you have to remember that it all starts with God's presence. Number two, you got to remember, I'm trying to tell you how to grow your faith. Number two, you got to remember that he's going to turn your mistakes, whatever those mistakes are. Those are the things that qualify. Please remember this, family. Your mistakes does not disqualify you from a miracle. It actually makes you a more likely candidate for a miracle. Your mistakes. Here's why. Because he's going to use those very mistakes. To bring about his glory. Because he knows he doesn't have to compete with you for honor. He knows he doesn't. Because he knows you don't deserve to be there because of this mistake. Now the only reason you're here is because of his grace and his mercy that has brought you to this position when you have no business being there. That's how your God works. That is how he works. So don't, 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 don't crumble under your mistakes. Don't deny your mistakes. Don't, don't say, well, I don't want anybody to know that. Don't cover them up. No, you repent and ask God to forgive you. And then you use that as his story because God is making a move. And the question is, are you going to allow him, allow yourself to be a part of the bigger move that God is making? You see, it's not your story. It's God's story. You're just a part, a very small part of God's story. Let me move on. Number three, number three, number three. Number three. You got to embrace Embrace God's vision. My, 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 my. Okay, number three things. You got to seize, then you have to activate, then you got to make your move. You got to seize, seize the vision, then you have to activate it, then you got to make your move. What does it mean to seize it? It means that now you're going to say to God, God, I want my mind and my heart to be after your vision, not yours, his vision. God, will you, will you melt my heart for your vision? God, will you, will you focus my mind after your vision, the one you have called me to do, where you get all the glory? God, will you do that? I want to seize it. I don't want my story anymore. I don't want my vision anymore. I want yours for me, my assignment. That's what I want, God. Will you give that to me? Watch it now. Number two, he says, then after you seize it, then you ought to activate it. You got to stop relying on your strength and reminding yourself that you're stepping out in a strength that is not your own. Let me say that again. 
you're stepping out now in a strength that's not your own. You're getting your power from a strength that's not your own. And then you're going to make the move. What's the move? What's the move? The move is where you're saying, God, I'm going to pursue your longer view vision for my life. I'm not, I'm not looking at the shorter one. I'm, I'm going to pursue the longer view vision for my life. That's what you're going after. Now, now I'm going to give you something that's not in your notes, but I want you to write it down. There are three things. This happens in all of the Bible. Three things that are true of people who, have, who God has called to do something great. Three things. I want you to write this. Not in your notes, so you have to write these down separately. Every time God calls somebody to do something incredibly great, there are three things that are true of them. Number one, they always offer a long list of excuses. God, I can't do it. Not me. I got, I got a list. I got a list. I can't, I can't talk. I, I mean, I'm not good at talking. I can't do it, God. I, can't, I just can't do it. God, I don't have the strength to do that. And the judges, God, I don't have the strength to do that. Everybody else, God, I'm left-handed, one judge said. God, I can't do it every single time. Uh, David, I want you to be. No, 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 no. I have other brothers. Let them brothers go. No, David, I want you every single time. He's always choosing somebody who can give him all kinds of excuses. That sound familiar to you? You always giving him excuses. No, not me. I can't do that. I, I don't have the pedigree. I don't have the degree. I don't have this. I don't have that. God said, I, it, this is not about you. Number two, second question. <laughs> second thing God says, God is not surprised by you saying all these excuses. And number three, <laughs> God doesn't change his mind. Let's talk about this a little bit. So whenever what God wants to do somebody, use somebody greatly, he does this. He listens to your excuses as to why you can't. Then he says, okay. Then he says, no, you're going to do what I ask you to do? Is there anybody in here that can attest that that's how God works? You come up with, God, I can't get that job. You know why I can't get that job, God? Because I don't, I mean, look at all these other candidates. I mean, they look better, they dress better, they know better, they talk better, they all that. And God said, hey, 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 I didn't ask you if you had the qualifications for it. I just asked you to obey me and go to that interview. You go to the interview and all of a sudden God says, that don't bother me. Now I want you to go do it because I have something in the background that I'm going to transfer to the, to the front so you can see what I'm up to. That's why, listen, I'm going to help you now. Come here, come here, come here. I'm going to help you. If you own a business or something like that or you, you hire people for a living, that's why you got to be careful for all of those people. Who say, oh, yeah, I can do this. I'm ready for this. Come on, let's go. I got this. I remember a guy came into our church one day and said, yeah, Pastor, I think I'm going to lead. I think, I think God's calling me to lead 20,000. Let me tell you something about God calling somebody to lead 20,000. If you think you can lead it, it ain't you. Let me say that again. If you think you can lead 20,000, it ain't you. That's not how he works. That's not, I've never seen more. You coming in all dollar. you know why it can't work? Because if you think you can do it, you're going to do it outside of his strength, which means you're going to get the glory, which means God ain't going to get none, which means he's not going to give you that. You can't handle it. No, let me give you an illustration of it. That's, um, that's unique. I've never given this illustration before. I, I, I am amazed at the work God is doing in one person's life in this church. See, because what they won't tell you <clears throat> is that they don't have a, a, a seminary degree. So they thought, I, I, I'm not, I, don't, I didn't get training for this. I'm not that good. I, I, I didn't go for four or five years and get training for this. So I, it can't be me. <laughs> but did God give you a passion for this? Yeah, I have a passion to teach God's word. I have a passion to, to, to help ladies learn the word of God. But, 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 I, but everybody else went to seminary. I didn't. Are you hearing the excuses yet? God still says, I don't care what you say. I want you to go do this. But, 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 I have a, but what I have is an MBA, and what I have is, is a degree in marketing, so I, but those don't work with, with the Bible. God said, you done with your excuses yet? <laughs> Every time you see Jada Edwards come up on this stage, you need to know something. It's not because this is what she wanted. It's because God had to force her into it. But here's what he had. A girl that just wanted to help people know 
how to read, understand, and apply the Bible. He don't need high qualifications. Here's why. This is important. Stop, stop, stop. Here's why. This is important. You know why you don't need it? Because she went and she did due diligence and she, she audited classes with me when I went through the whole thing and did the whole nine yards, right? But here's what you need to know. Do you think she studies harder than the person that went to seminary? You better believe it. You know why? Since she didn't have the pedigree, she has to internally say to herself, I got to prove to people that I know this Bible inside and out. See, the person that go to seminary, they're going to go depend on the folders they got in seminary and all the notes. Let me see what that professor says. She's got to go do her hermeneutics and then say, God, what do you have for these people? You know why her word is fresh and why her word is so penetrating? Because when God wants to use somebody, he does not care about their qualifications. What he cares about is his spirit being upon them in the moment. I know I'm talking to somebody in here today. The reason she gets more calls than most people is because most people wanted it too badly. And she just wanted to hear God's voice and respond to it. Can I get a witness, somebody? Does that make sense to you? Be careful. Be careful. Embrace God's vision. Not your strength, but his strength. And then watch the doors he opened for you and the places you get to go. All because you're living on the edge and saying, God, I don't deserve to be here. Everybody else is better than me. And God says, I didn't call them to do it. I called you to do it. You walk in obedience and watch what I will do. I don't care where you're starting today. Your assignment is not your qualification. Your assignment is God's vision. You fulfill his vision. Number, number four, let's go. I got to go. Number four, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Number four, faith formation. <laughs> Everybody say this with me. Hear the word, speak the word, do the word. Say it with me three times. You want to hear the word, then speak the word, then do the word. Two more times. You got to hear the word, then speak the word, then do the word. I'm trying to develop your faith. I'm trying to grow your faith muscles. You got to hear the word, then speak the word, then do the word. Joshua chapter 1, verse 7 through 9. Watch the text. Joshua chapter 1. I'm showing you how Joshua got to pray this impossible prayer. Watch it. Verse, verse number 7. Here's what the text says. It says this. Above all... Be strong and very courageous to carefully observe the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left so that you will have success wherever you go, so that you will have prosperity. That means so that you will have shalom, so that you will have peace wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. Somebody two times. Somebody say it with me. From your one more time, from your, that's right, speak it. Not just hear it, speak it from your mouth. You are to recite it day and night so that you may be careful to observe everything written in it. That's why on your way out today and online, everybody's going to get a bold faith confession. Everybody's going to get it. And what this is, is the word of God that you must preach over yourself every single day. So you must preach stuff like, um, I have the ability to walk in the power and authority of God. You must say this over yourself every day. I have the wisdom of the Lord concerning every decision I make. You must pray this over yourself. I will not hate or walk in unforgiveness. You must say this over yourself. I will embrace God's perspective of me as victorious and triumphant and overcomer and not a victim of my circumstances. You must pray this over yourself every single day. Why? Because if you're going to develop your faith, you must hear it, then you must speak it, then you must do it. What does is, what is hearing it do? When you hear the Word of God, it it initiates faith. When you speak it, it activates faith. And when you do it, it demonstrates faith. Don't miss this, ladies and gentlemen. Let me help you out. It's like turning a car. When you, turn the, when you put the key in, that's, 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 that's when you begin the process of faith. When you turn it is when you start speaking it. And when you start driving is when you're doing it. God says, if you're going to work in this faith formation, you've got to hear it. You've got to speak it. You've got to do it. You've got to know the word then you got to speak the word, then you've got to do the word. If you're going to live on the edge, you got to know the word, hear it, then you got to speak it over yourself, then you've got to actually now go do it. 
Ah, uh, you're not feeling me. Um, um, uh, Peter, he's on the water. He's in the boat. Jesus is out there. <clears throat> um, Peter, hey, Jesus, hey, 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 is that you? Is that, is that you? He hears the word. Uh, Jesus, if that's you, then I'm coming to you. Whoa. Is that really you? Jay, is that really you? Yeah, it is? Okay, good. I'm coming. He now has to speak the word. And then when he gets out of the boat and start walking, he starts doing the word. You got to hear it. You got to speak it. You got to do it. You got to hear it. Over and over and over again. That's why you have to listen to the Word of God. That's why the whole month of December and the whole month of um, uh, uh, January, we're going to be speaking the Word over each other. You're going to see it in a minute. And we're going to start speaking the Word. Because you got to hear it. Then you got to say it with me. Speak it. Then you got to do it. One more time. You got to Then you got to speak it. Then you got to You got it. See, here's the problem with most Christians. Most Christians in faith formation, they get saved. And this, their faith, right here. And they're just excited that they got a little bit of faith. If you're living over here, this is where your faith is. And, and, and the sad part is most of you just excited that you have a little bit of faith, which means you're on your way to heaven. And you get excited about going to heaven, and you get excited that you're going to heaven, and that you're going to be with Jesus face to face, and you're getting all up, which is fine. The problem is, if this is where he wants your faith to stay, then as soon as you got saved, he would have taken you to heaven. This is not what he, where he wants your faith to be. He wants your faith to mature. He wants your faith to grow. He wants your faith to develop. But we got too many Christians talking about, listen, I got mine. God bless y'all. Y'all finna burn, but I got mine. I'm got mine. And you're walking around arrogantly thinking this is where God wants you to be. But God says, this, this, this is just the start. This is for the people who just got baptized. But if you've been living for a little while, God says, I want you to grow. I want you to hear it. Speak it, do it. I want you to hear it, speak it, do it. I want you to hear it, speak it, do it. So that your faith looks like this at the end of the day. Where now you can live on the edge knowing because you have a track record with God. I've known what he has done for me. Not just what he did for Joshua. Not just what he did for Moses. What he did for me and my family. So the reason I can stand here is because I have a testimony of what he's done in my past. We got way too many Christians, man, trying to live over here. And, and walking around happy that this is you. Walking around delighted that this is you. That's why you can have people that in church for years upon years upon years still struggling with the same thing. Because their faith has not matured. This is why you have people in church with this kind of faith complaining about everything there is under the sun. But instead of growing your faith, instead of being a self-feeder, instead of developing your relationship and your intimacy with God so you can live on the edge. You live here and walk around proud. Look at me. Look at what I've done. Instead of maturing your faith. Is there anybody who want to mature their faith? Is there anybody who want to hear it? Speak it. And do it. That's what God's calling us to, family. It really, really is. And the season, as we move into whatever season is coming up for us, Christians are going to have to live by faith. And they're going to have to express their faith. And they're going to have to tell the world about Jesus way more than ever before. Here we go. Let's move on. So we, we, we went through, it starts with this presence. We went through, turn your valleys into victories. We went through um, seeking God's vision and faith formation. Here we go now. No, it's all about the process. Let's talk about that. It's all about the process. <laughs> it's all about the process. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to remember what happened to Joshua. He got a promise from God. <clears throat> the payoff was behind the curtain, but he had to go through the process. No, let me tell you why you go through the process. You go through the process because the process is painful. The process is doubtful. It creates uncertainty. The process is where God is stripping you of you so that he can shine bright through you. The process is where he gets to make sure that the, the whole project is not about you, but it's about him. And until then, he can't give you the payoff until you have been through the pain. Now listen, listen, listen. That's why... You need the process because it is in the process that you have hope that the payoff is coming. 
if you're going through and you're trying to get down God's vision, let me tell you something. If nobody is bothering you, if you have no haters, if you have nobody around you that's trying to tear you down and speak badly of you and say you ain't no good, it means ain't no process. It means you want to go from promise to payoff. That's not how God works. It never is. If you're going to get the payoff, you've got to go through the process called pain to get there. That is why you know you can trust him more. Because he says, I'm going to be with you. And when it looks like everything around you is gloomy and dark, he says, that is the time. I want you to lean into me and say, God, I need your help in this situation. There's somebody really close to payoff right now. But you're in the process. And you want to abort the process. And I'm telling you today, if you abort the process, you're going to start over again. He wants you to get through the process so you can get the payoff. Don't give up this fight. You're too close to give up. He says, I want you to call those things that are not as if they are. I want you to bring them out of here and transfer them into your current reality. But there is a process to doing that. And you must never short circuit that process. It gives you hope that he's on your side and that he's leading you to where he wants you to be. Don't short circuit it. Don't do 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 it. So the process is that significant. You ever been to, um, you ever been to a, a movie? No. You ever about to go see a movie and somebody walks up to you and starts telling you the whole movie? That ever happened to you? You get mad at them. Or, or if you DVR something and you want to watch it later. And then somebody comes and says, oh, yeah, uh, the Lakers won. And, uh, and you'd be like. Because the beauty of the journey is the process. Ooh, one's up by two. I'm done by two. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen now, God? Come on, let's see what's going to happen. When somebody just walks in and tells you the whole story, you'd be like, you know, man, they might make no sense to me watching the rest of this deal. I know what's going to happen in the end. We got too many people who don't like the tension, but it is in the tension that your faith gets built. All God's trying to do is build the tension so you see that you need him. So your faith muscles are increased so that you can trust him more because he said he'll never leave you nor forsake you. So after the process, then let's go to the last one before we're done. Then you have to go, you have to do the march before the miracle. The march before the miracle. Let me tell you the story. It's in Joshua again, chapter 10. Uh, the five Amorite kings, from Eglon to Hebron to um, Jerusalem to Jamuth, all of them, all these kings are coming up against the Gibeonites. The children of Israel are in uh, Gilgal, and they have to march up to the Gibeonites to help defend them. They have to march 20 plus miles, uphill, at night. They marched all night long to get there. They're not marching with, they have all their military uh, equipment on them. They've got everything with them because they know they have to go fight this battle against five cities. They march all night long to get there. Now, when they get there, they're tired. When they get there, they're burned out. When they get there, they're hurting, they're in pain. You know what God does? When you do your part, God throws a hailstorm. The hailstorm is going to kill more people than they kill. In addition to that, Joshua sees that some of them are getting away. So Joshua now prays his impossible prayer. God, if I'm going to obey you, I need more light. God says, is that all you need? Okay. <laughs> you got some more light, bro. And he goes and he takes out everybody else. But here's what I don't want you to miss. Joshua did his part. He marched all night. See, you have to fight like it all depends on you. Knowing that it all depends on God. But you can't be lazy talking about, well, God's going to do it. I'm going to let go and let God. You got to push and you got to pray. You got to push and you got to pray. Here's the rhythm. Push, 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 pray. Pu Some people say, no, you got to stop and pray. No, no, no. You push and pray. Somebody say push and pray. No, no, no. You didn't say it like you mean it. Push and pray. Three times. Push, push, push and pray. 
That's it. So you want to go for a job. You, if you want to go for a job, you say, Lord, can you please bring me the job that I need in this season? And then you sit back at home. No, that's just praying. You got to pray that prayer. Then you got to say, God, I'm going to send out 200 resumes so that I can figure out which one of these 200 you want me to have. And by the way, God, if you don't want me to get any one of those 200, let one of those 200 pass it on to somebody else that you have orchestrated before that needs to get my, in, my resume so that they can then call me for a job. But God, you work it out, but I'm going to put in the work. Somebody say, put in the work. <laughs> Pastor, I'm trying to work on my marriage. Okay, good. Well, Lord, can you just change my wife's heart? No, 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 no. You're praying the wrong prayer. God, can you give me the ability to love my spouse the way you love me? So that's the right prayer. In addition to that, that's just the prayer part. Then you got to pray, dear Lord, I'm going to encourage her. I'm going to tell her how much I love her. I'm going to tell her I'm sorry for messing up. I'm going to tell her. I'm going to send her a text every hour on the hour and just say praying for you. How can I serve you today? What else do you need? And I'm going to work this thing while I pray. I'm not just going to pray and not work. I'm not just going to pray and not push. I'm going to push and pray. Somebody want to get out of debt. Somebody want to get out of debt. You be like, Lord, Lord, have mercy. I owe 40000 Lord, have mercy. I'm going to get rid of this. And here's your assignment. Your assignment said, hey, man, can I meet a, a financial consultant? Can I meet somebody who can help me uh, plan my budget so I can pull this off? So I'm going to pray, God, if it's your will, supernaturally get rid of this debt for me, please. But in the meantime, I'm going to work like it all depends on me. I'm going to live on, 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 on three-quarter of my salary. I'm going to save 25% so I can take care of this stuff and I'm going to do everything I can to pull this off, God. But I'm going to work while I pray. You need to push and you need to pray. Tell me the rhythm again, family. You need to push and you need to, 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 the march before the miracle. Let me tell you how this story ends and then we're done. So, we go through the, he's with you, presence. We go through the valley. He's building your faith. How do I build my faith? You realize God's presence is with you. Then you don't, you don't avoid your mistakes. You allow your mistakes to lead you to the victory God wants. You embrace God's vision. You work your faith formations, hear, speak, do. You go through the process knowing that you can't avoid the process. You then march and work like it all depends on you. And then in the midst of that, there's going to come a moment when God is doing his thing. Where you now have to pray a prayer. That you've never prayed before. But it will never be for you. If the only person that benefits is you, it won't be for you. And don't try to manipulate God. Well, God, if you give me a million dollars, I'll bless ten other people. That's not, that's a your prayer. That's not a God prayer. You notice how we love to manipulate God, y'all? Anybody, you know what we love to do? We do it all the time. We love to manipulate. God, if you give me, well, if you give me a million followers, I'm just going to advertise for you. I'm just going to make it all about, no, 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 no. All of that has to do with you at the center. What Joshua did was he said, God, your word says you're going to take all of them out. Well, I can't fulfill it unless you extend the day. So can you please extend the day so I can do your word? Now, that's an impossible prayer. Saints of God, I'm begging you. Will you get out of the mundane and will you live on the edge? Saints of God, I'm pleading with you. The presence of the God that parted the Red Sea is with you. The presence of the God that turned loaves and fish into feeding thousands and thousands. That same God is with you. The presence of a God that can put his hand on a blind man and heal him and let him see. That same presence is with you. The presence of the Lord who raised Lazarus from the dead is with you today. Why, my God, Christians, why are we still on the shores when we have a God that can lift us out of the waves and allow us to thrive? The same God that raised Jesus from the dead and for three hours, again, allowed darkness to fill the entire earth. That same God is available to you and is wondering, why haven't you dreamed bigger dreams? Why haven't you prayed bigger prayers? When I am at your side, Matthew 28, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Heavenly Father, will you help the body at OCC, God, please? Pray impossible prayers 
dream dreams bigger than they ever dreamt before. Will you help us set an example for the next generation coming behind us that God is not just a God who we can calculate what is going to happen, but he's a God that can stop nature to accomplish his ultimate purposes in life. Will you help us to teach the next generation that they have a God that they can serve and he's worthy to be served, that we don't look to men, we look to God for who he is. Will you help us do that, God? I pray for every person listening that they'll have a bold prayer, that they'll say these confessions over their life, and then have bold prayers that they're asking God for his glory, for his advancement, and for his kingdom. Raise up this generation of Joshua's so that the world will see what a healthy Christian that's running hard after God look like. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Come on, somebody, put your hands together for the King of Kings. Come on, Joshua generation, we can do better than that. Come on, Joshua, come on, Joshua, come on. Woo! Awesome.